0: Many years ago in Australia, I got to know an old preacher. His name was Pastor W.M.R. Scragg. He's a big man, about six feet five, six feet six. He retired when he was about 75, but still kept on preaching, teaching. Had a garden, used to work in this garden. He was still preaching and teaching in his 80s. Great man. He discovered a tremendous truth in the Bible. He shared this truth with me and helped me to see things more clearly than I'd seen them before. Many Christians, earnest Christians, believe that the Ten Commandments are done away with. That's true because there are texts in the Bible that seem to indicate that that is so if you think it through, it doesn't seem reasonable of course because everybody knows it's wrong to steal and it's wrong to kill. A person who says that the law is abolished uh, is not always consistent if you get in his new BMW and drive it out the gate. But some folks, very earnest good people have taught that in much as the Bible seems to indicate in the book of Galatians and other places, that the law is abolished. It means that everything in the Old Testament, including the Ten Commandments, are abolished. And he made a remarkable discovery in the Bible and no person, it doesn't matter where he comes from, no person has answered the challenge of this great argument that comes from the word of God that was discovered by my old friend, Pastor W.M.R. Scrag. It's the story of the Torah and the Eduth. When we were naughty boys at college, we used to, didn't call it the Torah and the Eduth. We used to call it Dora and Edith. That is one way we could remember it. But it's the Torah and the Eduth and I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to come with me to some texts that talk about the law that is eternal and the law that was nailed to the cross I want you please and then I'm going to talk about the return of the prophet Elijah in our own day the first text is found in Exodus 31 verse 18 Genesis Exodus Exodus 31 verse 18 please take a Bible from the pews and turn to the texts if you don't mind Exodus 31 verse 18, the Bible says, When the Lord finished speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him the two tablets of, what does it say? Say it loud. The testimony, the tablets of stone inscribed by the finger of God. Now listen very carefully. The word law in the Bible, L-A-W, is a very broad term and it can mean Almost anything. But this word testimony, listen carefully. The word testimony, when it is used in connection with the Hebrew sanctuary or the sanctuary of God, means only one thing. The Ten Commandments, including the Fourth Commandment, that talks about the keeping of the seventh day Sabbath. So if i had a blackboard today i would write up testimony big t testimony means the ten commandments now let me give you some other texts to prove that this is so i could give you a hundred but let me just give you one or two would you notice exodus 30 and verse 5 genesis exodus chapter 30 and verse 5. this is just a sample Put the altar in front of the curtain that is before the ark of the testimony, before the atonement cover that is over the testimony, where I will meet with you. The ark of the testimony means the ark of the Ten Commandments. Now come now to, uh, let me see, Exodus 25 verse 24 and onwards, Exodus 25. Look at verse 22. Verse 22. There above the cover between the two cherubim that are over the ark of the testimony, I will meet with you and give you all my commands for the Israelites. Verse 16 in the same chapter. Then put in the ark the testimony that I will give you. Now God doesn't say to Moses, put into the ark the law. He doesn't say that. God doesn't say put into the ark the law. He says put into the ark the what? What does the testimony mean? Yeah, yeah. It means the Ten Commandments. We read it. Ten Commandments. Special name for the Ten Commandments, the testimony. So when you read about the testimony in association with the sanctuary of God, it doesn't mean the law. It means... The Ten Commandments including the seventh day Sabbath. That is absolutely correct. Nobody can argue about that. Come over now to the book of Deuteronomy. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Chapter 31. And verse 24 and onwards. Deuteronomy 31. Verse 24 to 26. Now I want you to notice there's something beside the testimony. Verse 24. Deuteronomy 31, 24 and onwards. After Moses finished writing in a what? This is a book. Now the Ten Commandments, were they written where? On tables of stone. When Moses finished writing in a book, the words of this what? Law. From beginning to end. He gave this command to the Levites who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. Take this book of the law and place it in the Ark. Does it say that? Place it beside the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God. There it will remain as a witness against you. Now if I had a blackboard today I would draw a picture of the ark and God said put in the ark the testimony. What's the testimony? Ten commandments including what? The seventh day Sabbath. But then there was another book. It was a book. Not written on tables of stone it was a book and it contains all the hebrew laws about circumcision and the sacrificial offerings and all of those things and god says don't mix it up with the testimony he says put it beside the ark when jesus died the ceremonial laws contained in the book that was placed beside the ark was nailed to the cross it is gone But now listen, there's something that remains. What would you think if I could show you in the book of Revelation written many years after the cross, what would you think if I could show you in the book of Revelation in the last days that there is a sanctuary in heaven and there is an ark in heaven and inside the ark there is the testimony. What would you think about that? because I can. This is the discovery that old pastor Scragg made many years ago. Come over with me to Revelation chapter 11 and verse 19. The book of Revelation chapter 11 and verse 19. The Revelation chapter 11 and verse 19, the Bible says, then God's what? Come on, God's temple in heaven was opened and within his temple was seen what? the ark so there is a temple in heaven is that true and there is an ark in heaven is that true yes Yes, there is now come now to revelation chapter 15 and verse 5 and this is talking not about the days of the bible it's talking about the last days the end of time revelation 15 verse verse 1 says i saw in heaven another great and uh marvelous sign seven angels with the seven last plagues this is talking about the last days and verse 5 says after this I looked and in heaven the temple that is the tabernacle of the what of the testimony in heaven was open so this man looks up into heaven in the last days and he sees the temple is that true it says it and then he sees inside the temple and what does he see he sees the ark And then he looks inside the ark and he sees what? The testimony. The testimony. He sees the testimony. And what does the testimony mean? The Ten Commandments including what? The seventh day Sabbath. This is a truth from the Bible that cannot be disputed. Whatever was nailed to the cross, it was not the testimony. The testimony abides forever. It's not enough, my friend, that the testimony be in heaven. The testimony needs to be in our hearts. Look at Revelation chapter 14 and verse 12. Revelation 14 and verse 12 says, This calls for patient endurance on the part of the saints... Who obey, what does it say? God's commandments and remain faithful to Jesus. Think it through. It is as plain as the nose on your face. The book of the law placed beside the ark has been nailed to the cross. That's why we do not sacrifice the lambs today as they did back in the Old Testament. That's why we don't have a tabernacle like they had in the Old Testament. That's why we don't have priests with incense and all of that because it was nailed to the cross. But the testimony endures forever. And the testimony includes the seventh day sabbath, that is why every great church in the history of the world, the Roman Catholic Church, the Baptist Church, the Lutheran Church, the Presbyterian Church, my old mother church, the Church of England, you can go through all of the great churches in Christendom. Every great church is taught the keeping of the Ten Commandments, including the keeping of the Fourth Commandment, the Sabbath. The problem has been, of course, they've kept it on the wrong day. Because the fourth commandment says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. Never say after hearing a meeting like this, that is your Sabbath. It is not our Sabbath. It is the Sabbath of Almighty God, and it endures forever. Now today I'm going to give you some strong truths. Some strong truths. Let me tell you a little story Beverly told me over at Coolangatta. She said, you may want to use this one day and today is the day I'm going to use it. She told the story about a man who went to see his doctor. Apparently he was a little overweight. The doctor said to him, my good man, you must go on a diet. Well the man said, very good. But he said, I plan to get a second opinion from my baker. (laughs) Now today, by all means, get a second opinion. But don't get it from your baker. Because Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of god and just because the church has taught it for a thousand years doesn't make it right in america and this would only happen in this great country there is a flat earth society people really believe that the earth is flat there are thousands and they are not ignoramuses some of them are educated people but just because a person believes something doesn't make it right this is the ultimate revelation of truth Jesus said it is written Man shall not live by bread alone. I don't care too much what my church teaches. I care a great deal what the word of God teaches. Don't you? And so if you're going to get today a second opinion, see someone better than the baker. (laughs) Would you please open your Bibles to the book of Malachi? Malachi chapter 4, verses 1 and onwards. Now, this is the last book in the Old Testament, and the page number is 677 in the Bibles we have in the pews. 677. Malachi 4, verses 1 and onwards. Are you ready? Surely the day is coming, it'll burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble, and the day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. This is talking about the last day, the day of judgment. Not a root or branch will be left to them. And verse 3, Then you will trample down the wicked. There will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I do these things, says the Lord Almighty. This teaches very plainly that when the wicked are destroyed, they're not going to be left to burn in the flames of an eternally burning hell. They're going to be ashes, the Bible says. And so this... Text here is in the context of the very last days, the day of judgment. And verse 5 says, Behold, or see, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord before it comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. That's one of the most amazing prophecies in the Bible. The Bible makes the statement that before the Lord returns for the day of judgment, he's going to send to the world again, the prophet Elijah. Who was Elijah? One of the most colorful characters in the history of the world. Back in the days of the Old Testament, There was a wicked king by the name of Ahab who was married to a very, very wicked woman and her name was Jezebel. And the Bible tells the story that this man who was the leader of the people of God led the people of God into great sin and taught them to break the commandments of God and they set up a counterfeit religious system. All religion is not good. Only the religion that came from God can take you to God. And so back in the days of Ahab and this woman Jezebel, they'd set up this evil system of apostasy with false commandments. And God raised up a man who was a firebrand and his name was Elijah. And he did some mighty things. He closed up the heavens for three and a half years so that it would not rain. Towards the end of his ministry he brought down fire from God out of heaven upon Mount Carmel in the north of Israel. And The very last act in his life upon this earth he was caught up to God in flaming chariots that rumbled up through the clouds. The Bible says I'm going to send him again. So this indicates that things are going to get so bad in the world... And apparently the people of God are going to be so deceived by a false religious system that God is going to send back a man with a tongue of fire to call the people back to God. Now the question is, how will he come back? Will he drive a Lexus? (laughs) We have all sorts of funny experiences in this church. We're were in Glendale. A man came to me after the service one day. This is a true story. Not like the one Shondor has got from me. It's a true story. (laughs) He came behind and he said, uh, Enjoy the meeting today. He said, I have some questions. Sure. He said, uh, I'm Elijah. I said, Your name is Elijah. No, he said, I'm the Elijah that you've been preaching about. I said, if that is so, why are you asking me questions? (laughs) That doesn't seem right. (laughs) But he stayed with us for a while and he passed on. He was not caught up either. So how will he come? Let me show you some texts in the Bible that tell us how this man is going to come again in our own day and you do need to turn to the texts of the bible this is a bible preaching bible believing church our authority is the bible would you please come to luke chapter 1 verse 17 matthew mark luke that's page 723 723 luke chapter 1 verse 17 luke 1 and verse 17 The Bible says talking of John the Baptist and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Never forget that text. The Bible says that John the Baptist who prepared the world for the first coming of Christ would go before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah. He came for a special purpose, and that was to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Just remember this text. Now come to some other passages that talk about the coming of Elijah. Come over here to Mark chapter 9, that's page 714, Mark chapter 9, verses 11 to 13. Mark chapter 9, we'll wait for you, but find the passages. Mark chapter 9, verse 11 to 13, and the page number is 714 Mark chapter 9 and verse 11 and onwards and they asked him the Lord why do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first see they're quoting the prophecy of Malachi Jesus replied to be sure Elijah does come first and restores all things why then it is written that the son of man must suffer much and be rejected but I tell you Elijah has come And they've done to him everything they wished, just as it is written about him. Jesus said, yes, number one, Elijah is going to come. And he's going to restore everything. But then he said, Elijah has already come. And they've done those things to him, what they wanted to do. So Jesus said, yes, he's going to come, but he has come. Now come now to Matthew 17. And that's page 694. Matthew 17, 10 to 13. Matthew 17. Verses 10 and onwards. Uh, Verse 10, the disciples asked him, why then do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, to be sure, Elijah comes and will restore all things. Remember that word, restore. He comes to restore all things. But I tell you, Elijah has already come and they, what does it say? They did not recognize him who did not recognize him when elijah came the first time who did not recognize him the religious leaders the people of god the pharisees and the priests he was there but they did not recognize him and they did not recognize him but have done to him everything they wished in the same way The Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was talking to them about whom? John the Baptist. Baptist. So the prophecy says Elijah's going to come. Jesus said yes, he's going to come. Then Jesus says he has come. And then Jesus says the people didn't recognize him. Jesus says they rejected him because the religious leaders were so blind, so spiritually stupid, and then the disciples understood that he was talking about that great preacher, John the Baptist. Now here is an apparent a contradiction in the Bible. Let me show it to you. Come over here to page 750, John chapter 1, 19 to 21. John chapter 1 and verse 19 to 21. John chapter 1 verse 19 and onwards. Now this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I'm not the Christ. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, what did he say? I'm not. How do you explain that? How do you explain that? Jesus, the son of God, said, Elijah's going to come. He's come, John the Baptist. And on one occasion, the priests go out and talk to John the Baptist. They say, are you the Messiah? No, I'm not the Messiah. Are you Elijah? He said, no, I'm not. So Jesus says he is, and John says he isn't. How do you explain it? It's very, very simple. Very, very simple. Would you come over here to Luke chapter 1, 13 and onwards. That's page 723, 723. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Back here to a text that talks about John the Baptist. Luke chapter 1. And we're going to start at verse verse 15. That'll do. Verse 15. Now the Bible says... For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. This is talking about John. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. He wanted to think clearly, you see. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. To turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So, was he John the Baptist? Was he John the Baptist? Was was John the Baptist Elijah? (laughs) Was he Elijah? Did he fulfill the prophecy? He fulfilled the prophecy because he had the Spirit of Elijah and he did the work of Elijah and that work was to call the people to God and to call the people out of apostasy and to call them to Christ so they would be ready for the coming of the Lord and because he had the Elijah message and because he preached that message in the spirit of Elijah he fulfilled the prophecy of Malachi chapter 4. But the prophecy has got how many applications? It's got two. Because it says, I'm going to send him before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. That hasn't happened yet. And Jesus said, to be sure, Elijah is going to come. So when Elijah comes, will he come driving a motor car? Will he come... Dressed as the prophet with a leather belt around his waist. Has he got to, does he have to come back down from heaven? The return of Elijah, the prophet, listen carefully. The return of Elijah, the prophet, is not the return of the prophet as a person, but the return of the message of God, Elijah's message calling the people to get ready for the coming of Christ, preached with the Spirit of God. Now we believe, from a study of the prophecies, that we're living in the last days. I have a conviction about this. I'm not alone. Billy Graham, many great preachers believe that. You've only got to look at the Middle East and you can realize What a fragile condition the world is in. With those nations all trying to get nuclear weapons and people think that peace can come when peace has not come between those two warring tribes for three and a half thousand or four thousand years. We are living at a time when God is about to intervene in human history. If this is so then we should expect that the message of elijah is here today and we need to be very very careful about something lest we be blind like the religious people in the days of jesus who did not know it elijah was there with a message but they were so spiritually blinded by tradition The greatest events in the history of the world were taking place, and those events did not move them significantly. They were oblivious to the hand of God in history. They knew it not. I want you to take a peep now at what was happening in the days of Elijah. I've already mentioned it briefly but I want you to turn in the Bible and notice what was happening in the days of Elijah. Would you come with me please to the Old Testament to page 252 to first Kings, page 252, First Kings chapter 16 and verse 29 and onwards, First Kings 16 verse 29 and onwards. In the 38th year of Asa king of Judah, Ahab son of Omri became the king of Israel and he reigned in Samaria over Israel 22 years. Ahab son of Omri did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. He not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam son of Nebat, but he also married Jezebel daughter of Ethbaal king of the Sidonians and began to serve Baal and worship him. He set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal that he built in Samaria. Ahab also made an Asherah pole and did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than did all the kings of Israel before him. And then if you come over the page to chapter 18 and verse 16, it describes Elijah's meeting with the king, the leader of the people of God. So Ahab went to meet, Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, And Ahab went to meet Elijah. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and followed the Baals. There was plenty of religion in the land, except it wasn't God's. They had commandments, but they weren't God's commandments. They had rites and ceremonies and priests by the thousands. And they were very, very sincere about it all and very devout. But it wasn't God's. Not all religions are the same. They had set up a counterfeit system. Now Vadim could tell you this, that in Russia today, there are hundreds of millions of dollars, U.S. dollars, in counterfeit $100 bills. So when I go to Russia and I take out some $100 bills and take them to the bank to have them converted into rubles, they look at these notes very, very carefully to make sure that they're not counterfeited because they look genuine. Looks can be deceiving. And that is why God has given us a brain to think with and eyes to see and a Bible to understand. And So the people had turned away from God and set up a counterfeit religious system and Elijah came as the voice of God to call the people out of that counterfeit religious system back to the Bible. And remember this my beloved friends in the day of judgment when we stand before the throne of god god is not going to say to us were you sincere god is going to say to us we who profess to be followers of christ he is going to say did you study my word did you believe it and so elijah came to call the people from religious apostasy to the truth jesus said you'll know the truth And the truth will make you free in the days of john the baptist the people of god had done the same thing they'd forsaken the commandments of god and they were following a system of tradition that's why they crucified the lord of glory i want you to think of conditions today in the world and i do not say these things negatively or critically in any way Last Friday was Good Friday in Australia and in Australia they take Friday off and Saturday and Sunday and Monday at Easter time, not because they're religious but because they like the beaches. And Beverly and I saw that the combined churches of the Gold Coast had put on, were putting on a meeting. It was at the Anzac Park where they have the war memorial. And so we thought we'll go along to the Easter service. We don't know what we're going to hear. Combined churches for that part of Australia, there were 50 people there, including us. Australia has become a very secular place, post-Christian, largely. And there was an evangelist got up and he started to preach and I thought to myself, what is he going to say? You cannot blame him that only 50 people came. He had nothing to do with the advertising. But he preached a sermon that stirred and touched my heart because he preached on Christ and the love of God. He preached on the cross. I've never heard a better sermon, I guess, in all my life than I heard in that park in Coolangatta by a man who stood and preached his heart out and described what Christ did for us on the cross and how he bore our sins. He preached the atonement. I had tears in my eyes we believe in this but the Bible tells us in the last days there is going to come a falling away from the truth and I'm going to talk about this right now because Shondor has been giving the trumpet a certain sound on one side we have the Bible on the other side we have tradition you say but it's beautiful On one side we have the voice of God and the other side we have the voice of man. On one side we have the baptism of believers. The other side we have the baptism of unbelievers that is little babies cannot believe. On one side we have baptism by immersion, on the other side we have sprinkling. On one side in the Bible we have the seventh day Sabbath, the testimony. On the other side we have the first day Sunday. On God's side we have the Lord's Supper, but on man's side we have the Mass. On God's side you have the resurrection, but on man's side you have the immortality of the soul. We are taught in the Bible. On God's side you have a heavenly priesthood, but on man's side you have an earthly priesthood. On God's side you have the intercession of Jesus, but on man's side you have the intercession of the saints. On God's side you have one sacrifice once for all. On the other side you have the many sacrifices of the Mass. On one side you have salvation by grace alone through faith alone. But on the other side you have salvation by grace plus good works. On one side you have love alone and the other side you have persecution. So I would suggest to you in Christian courtesy that a condition exists today religiously that is not dissimilar to the conditions that existed in the days of john the baptist or even the days of elijah and therefore there is a need for the message of elijah to sound again in the world and what shonda has been doing god bless him and i'm so proud of him and appreciate him so much he has been preaching that message of Elijah the message of Revelation 14 I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven having the everlasting gospel saying with a loud voice fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come worship him that made heaven and earth the sea and the fountains of waters and then the great warning against the beast and the image of the beast and the mark of the beast and then that great call to keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus That is the return of the prophet Elijah. Think of the text. Jesus said he came. They weren't even aware of it. Night by night you have been listening to a message that is calling you back to the creator God and back to the keeping of the holy seventh day Sabbath. Back to the truth on baptism back to the truth about the resurrection and the atoning sacrifice and salvation by grace alone through faith alone that is the message of elijah he's here today not in a person but in a message there's one thing the elijah message did it's a great story We usually read it, but today I'm going to tell it to you. On Mount Carmel, there came a great confrontation. There was the man of God by himself. Truth is not necessarily on the side of the army with the biggest artillery. Just remember this. You say, but my church is the biggest. Well, if you were living today in the Middle East, the Muslims are the biggest. So why not join them then? Truth is not determined by counting noses. And so there was Elijah the prophet of God. There were all the priests of Baal. And there was a contest, a great spiritual contest. Elijah said, the God who answers by fire, let him be God. So they had the sacrifices there. And the priests of Baal cried all day, cried all day. Baal hear us, but nobody heard them. Then the prophet of God comes and he builds the altar, he puts a bullock on it, pours water all over it so they don't think that this is done with smoke and mirrors. Then he prays, oh God, send the fire so that the people will know that you are the only true God. One man, the prophets of Baal, hundreds, even thousands, one man for God. But one man with God is a majority. Never forget it. Open your eyes. There is a universe of millions of angels. An almighty God. Then as the prophet prays the fire falls from the sky. And it licks up the water. And burns up the sacrifice. It is recorded in the book of Kings. People fall on their faces and they cry out, the Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. Elijah that day called the people to make a decision and his words will never be forgotten because he turned to the people and said those words that come ringing down the corridors of time. He said, how long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God then follow him. But a Baal, then follow him. And as the old hymn writer wrote long ago, once to every man and nation comes the moment to decide in the midst of strife and falsehood for the good or evil side. Choose you this day. How long halt you between two opinions? If the Lord be God, if the Sabbath is right then do it. If baptism is right then do it. If you've heard the truth of God then obey it because this is not the message of man, this is the message of the Lord.